episode of The Light. As always, I'm Scott Pearson. And as always, I'm joined by the mythical, diabolical John L. What's up? What's good, John? Where you at, man? Come on, man. You know I'm right here. I know that. You know I'm always in the back of the house lurking. <laughs> <laughs> what you been doing? How you been, week? man? Yo, I'm chilling. Oh, man. man. I'm chilling. Man, I'm good. I'm good. You know me, man. You know I'm out there on that social media hunt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, I think we uh, I think we got a real good surprise in store for the podcast listeners this week. One of uh, an up and coming MC stop by for a little while and you know hang out with us and uh, see what we can get from out of that situation. But uh, other than that, man, the Facebook page again, as as always, is killing it. But I but I but I think people still have to understand that when we do post the short write up review that we do on the Facebook page. But that's not the full review. No. You got to hit www.thelightpodcast.com, and then you'll hear the full audio review. Or, so, or, uh, or subscribe to the iTunes, and you'll get the full joint automatically to your phone the second we release it. So, you know, if you don't know the URL for that, it's smarturl.it slash thelightpodcast, and you'll get it automatically to your phone. You know, we got tons of fresh new content for the listeners, man. We, we, we ready to rock and roll. Man, I'm so eager. Hell yeah, man. I'm so eager. So uh, yeah. to, to Michael Fields and the Flo Wright, don't be testing my podcast, Gangsta, yo. <laughs> <laughs> we always here. We always going to be here. We always here, daddy We always going to be here. So, so check it out, John. I got some questions for you. Shoot, man. What you got? I got some questions for you. Now, TLP, man, we stick to hip-hop. You know, that's that's a known. We stick to the to the art form, we stick to the culture, man, but it's election time, man. It's election wow. time. You know what I mean? And one of the things that you always say, you know, that hip hop, you know, the artist is that street reporter. I gotta think, man, that politics, even though I, you know, admittedly politics is not something that, you know, I'm that adept at. You know what I mean? It's and it's for good reason. I don't like it, John. I don't like politics, man. I hate it. I think it's dirty. I think it's disgusting. I think it's sleazy. I think it's slimy. And um, I just don't deal with it. You know what I mean? I don't listen to it. I don't discuss it. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand it. But after talking to you the other day offline, I agree that it's something that needs to be approached. It's something that needs to be addressed and discussed because it's part of the culture. It's, it's you know, for all intents and purposes, it birthed the culture, I mean, right or wrong, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's the reason why, you know, the rage against the machine exists, the machine being, you know, that nebulous they, you know what I'm saying? And so as we discuss the election coming up this this year and the candidates that exist, the first thing that comes to mind is that funny hair dude, man, that represents the Republican Party. You know what I'm saying? You mean uh, hashtag the political terrorist? Bro, what is his you know? What is his deal? I don't know, man. What is his deal, John? I just think, I just think, man, and I'll answer that in this way. Up started because it is the voice of those who don't have a voice. It's that like like you so eloquently said already, it's the street reporter. But if the things that matter to those who are in challenging circumstances, be it economically, be it from substance abuse, be it whatever, and they found and they find themselves in a downtrodden situation on the lower economic scale and living in certain conditions, you know, there is no voice for those people other than hip hop. You understand what I mean? So that is why hip hop came about. 
And then when you look at people like the political terrorists, you know what I mean, who's out there right now, I just can say it, you know, the way Alfred told Batman. Some people just like to see the world burn. When you can sit up and denigrate whole nationalities, whole cultures via a stereotype, and let's all be clear, a stereotype is based upon less than 10% of a certain population, a 10% of certain cultures, 10% of whatever you're basing that stereotype on or less participates in the behavior in which you're stereotyping. So when this individual, this and I call him a political terrorist because he's ruining the political process. You say you don't, you know, you don't like it. I do enjoy politics because I enjoy debating. You know, as as we used to say growing up, I enjoy politicking. You know what I mean? You know that kicking it back and forth. You know about socioeconomic situations. And this political terrorist that's out there right now, and he's killing the Republican Party. And believe it or not, and some people may disagree with what I'm about to say, but we need the Republican Party. You know, a political system, a democracy exists because of checks and balances. So you can't just have one political party dominating all the time because then there's no checks and balances. But over the last two decades, three decades, they basically merged into one on the background because of all the money that's involved. He he represents the money, the political terrorists. He opened up when he first came out talking about how he bought most of the politicians that he's cool with, including Hillary Clinton. How he would pay them to come to his weddings and different things and so he can get favors from them as a businessman. And what he has exposed, which is something that my grandfather taught me growing up, is he's exposed all the racists that are out there. He's allowed them, he's given them a platform to come out and feel comfortable. And I'm gonna tell you like this, I'd rather know who the racist is versus trying to guess. Because if you know who the racist is, then you have an opportunity to make a choice to deal with them or not. Do you honestly believe that this man believes all the bullshit that he's saying? No. Listen, like we talked about before with that word authenticity with hip hop, Mm -hmm. right? We judge lyricists on how authentic they are. We talked about how Biggie and Jay-Z, you know, I'm sure others did it, but they're, you know, two of the known ones who, you know, really, really made it known that they didn't write any of their lyrics down. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how you don't have to write your life down because you can talk about yourself in a real authentic manner because it's you. (laughs) You're telling your own story. And you can tell that same story, especially if it's an interesting one, five years from now and it's still the same story. Whereas with Trump, uh, with the political terrorist, the reason why you know he's making this stuff up is because every time he talks about it, he has a different position on it. He's contradicting himself every time he opens his mouth, hence that's a liar. Anybody who contradicts themselves when they speak is a liar. And most people who lie are trying to keep something from you. So what is he trying to keep from us? The fact that all he wants to do is see the world burn for his own gain. That's it. He doesn't care if he wins or loses. Because as a result of this, his his name is going to have more cachet for him to do more business with. He's saying some of the most outlandish stuff just to see who's where. So I am appreciative for him because he's exposing everybody. There's good in every situation. You just got to find it. You know, what impact do you think that this point in history is going to have on music, on hip hop, on the message? We don't have that strong voice in hip hop. And it saddens me. Mm -hmm. We don't have that political voice 
via hip hop. And we've always have had one. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had one in the last 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when you look at it and people are going to say, well, how can you say that? Well, just look at what he was talking about. When you look at Jay-Z, when you look at a Tupac, when you look at a Biggie, you look at a KRS-One, if an artist was conscious enough, someone like a locksmith, um, when you look at those types of artists, they will be the ones who are looked upon 10, 12 years from now and not the ones who are out there in mainstream media like the J. Coles and the Kendricks. You know, while they're speaking about social issues, they're speaking about social issues more so from the perspective when they were kids. Now, I, I do have to give it up for Kendrick and what he did at the Music Awards. I do, and he, because he talked about mass incarceration. You know, so there are some of these social issues that are being addressed, but not to the depth and the degree in which, like, when you look at the late 80s and the 90s, you had, you know, several conscious hip-hop artists out there talking about it. Whereas now you have one underground dude and you have one dude on top who made one song. So to me, if you just make one cut about it, you ain't talking about it. You know, you just happen to, you know, touch upon something. So I think this is a perfect segue into what this week's show is going to be all about. I mean, we talked, you know, about Tupac Shakur. I don't know how many times. Finally, we get to have an episode where we dedicate to Tupac and his body of work. You know, back in the 90s, I mean, damn, yo, Tupac. Oh, man, come on, man. He was everything, man. He, he was, was a movement, yo. Yeah, he, was, he, he still is. He has probably more fans now that weren't even born, you know, than probably existed before when he was alive and making music. Bruh, they developed a technology mm -hmm. to have Tupac at a concert. Mm -hmm. That whole hologram joint. Mm -hmm. He is Black Elvis, man. You understand what I'm saying? People talk about, oh, Tupac's alive on some island somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There are actual conspiracy theorists who actually say that sort of stuff. But let me let me let me start this conversation the right way, man. I mean, and, and you know, we'll both have a chance to answer this, man. But John, who was Tupac to you? For me, man, he was just an incredible artist. Now, I have a uh, I look at Tupac in three different lights. Okay. All right, I look at him, his early work, Digital Underground, where, you know what I mean, like, I liked a lot of that stuff. And then I looked at, you know, the, the middle part of his life where I think he got a lot of things confused. I think he was a young man being pulled in a lot of different directions, and inside of him was a struggling artist. You know what I mean? Um, just trying to find his voice, how he was raised, you know what I mean, born on the East Coast, you know, went to performance art schools in Baltimore with Jada Pinkett. Everyone knows that. Moved out there. You know, everyone knows his history. You know, his mom's situation, you know, seeing that go down. I honestly think, man, he was just a kid, man, inside of himself who had a great message, but was struggling to f trying to find the right way to release his message on the world. And that's why I think you see so many different iterations of him. He went from being... I'm here to make fun music to I'm here to kill everybody to now I got this wisdom piece. And that is my favorite Tupac is the wisdom Tupac. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That that late age Tupac. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying late age in his life cycle. So at that point, in my opinion, he was the brightest that he was. I'm going to be objective this episode, John. You know, it's very easy to slip into that that blindness that Tupac and Biggie fans appear to have. I'm not saying they're not great artists, man, but 
I'm going to try to be objective. I'm going to try to be realistic. You know, anytime you ask the question, who's the best hip-hop artist, blah, 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 Tupac and Biggie are always at the top, all right? And whether or not they're deserving, that's where they are. So for me, I don't think Tupac belongs anywhere near the top 10 of anybody's hip-hop list of greatest of all time. You can say what you want about it, but I think deep down inside, most people know that to be true. He's not a lyricist. He doesn't have the wordplay or the poetic ability of a Nas or a Jay-Z. But what he does have is charisma. He had an incredible impact on his fans, you know what I mean? And he carried that into Hollywood. He, he performed in a few movies. Some of them are among my all-time favorite, Juice. Bishop is one of the greatest villains of all time. No doubt. Poetic Justice, one of my, one of my favorite movies of all time. But when it comes to, his, to the art form and why we do this show, why we do TLP, I, I gotta say, John, I mean, if I had to pick a classic Tupac album, I would have a hard time doing that. There, he had a lot of albums oh, yeah. that, that people love. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? All Lies yeah, I On Me, you know, Tupacalypse Now, whatever like that. You know what I mean? But where do those albums stack up against the Nilmatic? Where do they where do they stack up against a reasonable doubt? Or ready to die, even. And or, to me, I I think that album that you're searching for is Machiavelli. Unfortunately, yeah. that's his last album. You know, right. and uh, it's the one that we're going to cover here this week on the show. If you look at one particular album that kind of encompasses Tupac's vision, his message, his charisma, who he was as an artist, who he was as a man, it's Machiavelli. Machiavelli is a tremendous gift. If we are to cover Tupac, we got to start there, you know, and let that no doubt. we got to let no that doubt. lead the discussion. He was one of the greatest artists of our generation. You know, he was the shining prince you know, that that represented hip hop for the shortest of time periods, you know, but I mean, look, here we are 20 years later. I can't believe I'm saying that, but here we are 20 years later, 20 years since he passed. And we're still discussing this man with the same reverence, with the same energy, with the same thought provoking lyrics that we did 20 years ago. We could have done this show 20 years ago and it still would have hit. We could do it 20 years from now and it's still going to hit. But keep in mind, podcast listeners, we're going to hit this realistically. We're going to hit this objectively. This is not going to be a Tupac fan show episode. You know, we're going to discuss it with the, with the detail. We're going to discuss it with the realism that it deserves. He had demons. He had issues. He was probably one of the biggest hypocrites in the game. You know what I'm saying? He'll give you a burn that's got a baby. And then he's calling your mama a bitch in the next song, on the next track. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we got to talk about that, too. And maybe that was the allure. And know? that was that duality. You know, we all have that good and evil that goes on inside of us. All of us. Mm -hmm. Tupac showed how his moral compass could change on a drop of a hat. You know what I mean? He, you're right. He can give you, for old MTV heads, you know what I mean? He can give you the interview with Wendy Loader. It's very insightful. Everything is on point. He's talking about, you know, so many different things. And But then a month later, he's spitting on reporters. You know what I'm saying? You have to have yourself in a, under a level of control that you don't get that far outside of yourself. Even though you're expressing yourself and you're, you're angry, you know, the press have been you know, really hounding him at that time in a very negative way. Yes, you're angry. We understand that. But, bruh, the only people who can agree with those actions are the fringe people. The more people, the more, the, the broader your fan base is, the more buoyant you are, the higher on that wave you can stay. 
because we have you. But when you start doing things to narrow your base, you fall. You drown. You drown in your own success. How many times have we heard that about an artist? True indeed. When you look at it from that perspective, yeah, bro, the interview with Wendy Loader was dope. You said a lot of impactful things, but now why are you spitting on folks? If you look at him, he's the prime example of someone, and I hate to say this, but someone who lacked that male role model to help him train that bad wolf. Because the bad wolf is useful. You need, everyone needs the bad wolf within them. Because everyone's going to have to fight for survival at some point. And the, the good wolf can't help you fight for survival. Again, being objective, being realistic. Tupac was a kid. When he, when he died, he was 25, 24 years old. Exactly. That's, and that's my point. Mm-hmm. With, without that, that male influence in his life to help set that moral compass, to help direct that bad wolf and help him understand that bad wolf can come out, but it has to come out in a very measured way mm-hmm. so it doesn't eat you alive. Because your bad wolf can turn on you. You understand? And that's that self-destructive side of himself that Tupac showed us. Mm-hmm. To me, when I look at Tupac's name, I look at two personalities. That's that's what his name symbolizes to me. Is that duality that exists within us all and his just played out in music and wax right before our eyes. I agree. So hey man, you ready to get this in? Oh yeah, man. I'm uh, oh oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know that. <laughs> Because, you know, and you know why, Scott, yeah. and, you know, podcast listeners, if this is one of your first podcasts, Scott, Scott, Scott tries to set me up and I take debate every time. Every he knows time. I love, he knows I love to debate. So, you know, the whole political stuff and now, and now we're here. So, and this is a very organic show podcast listeners. So trust me when I, when I tell you, he's just, all Scott's doing is treating me like an old rotary phone and just dialing it up. <laughs> Yo, here we go. As always, you're listening to The Light Podcast. You can catch us on Facebook. Just search for The Light Podcast. Hit us up. You know, send us some messages. Comment on the on the episodes. You know, uh, send us comments. We always respond. We always show love. You can find us also on Twitter. Just search for The Light Podcast. The same for Instagram. You know, John and I work very hard, you know, to produce this show and to bring it to you. We also respond to each and every message. We show love. Whenever and wherever we can So, you know, stay tuned Here we go, Tupac Machiavelli Let's get it So you know me, man. You know I'm always scouring the internet for uh, new music, right? Mm-hmm. There's this young lady, man. I came across on YouTube, man, and she is fire. I mean, let me tell you, bruh. She, I, there was one particular track, but I'll let her explain more and all that. Her name is Miranda Wright. She is one of the most intellectual new artists on the scene that I've listened to in a very long time. So how you doing today, Miranda? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. So basically, I'm Miranda Wrights, and um, with my music, what I like to do is really I'm all about the hip-hop culture. So basically, with my music, I like to connect with the listener. I believe in the, I believe the grounds 
roots of hip hop is the peace, love, unity, and having fun. And I'm all about a positive message and spreading that. That's what's up. No doubt. Scott? During your introduction, you know, you kind of was talking about her like I didn't know who she was. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've seen the YouTube videos. Honest to goodness truth right there. I've seen your knowledge of self video. And the reason why it resonated so much with me is because, you know, we've had conversations offline about positivity and, and the direction that we would like to see hip hop take. And, um, you know, John and I, we always say in every show, we are like these two annoying hip hop purists. Like we have this incredibly impossible standard that we hold hip hop to. And we understand <laughs> that it's impossible. You know what I mean? But when we come across an artist like yourself, who's kind of saying the same things that we are, you know, from a positivity standpoint, from a conscious standpoint, we gravitate towards it. And we definitely feel you. We definitely feel what you're saying. And we definitely feel where you're coming from. We feel the direction that you've taken in your career. The first question I want to ask you is the real obvious one, but I want to make sure our listeners really get to know you. Okay, so start off with your name, Miranda Wrights. I mean, where does that come from? I mean, are you a poet first? Um, so I basically say two things. So the first part about it is, is that I love emceeing, but I'm really into the songwriting aspect of it. Mm -hmm. That's how I got started was songwriting. And then it wasn't until after doing a decent amount of songwriting, um, for myself and, you know, working on dif different projects for other people. That's when I actually started emceeing after that. So I hold the writing part like near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's my favorite part of it. That's like the, the part where I really feel like I get to be creative. Sure. And that's the true freedom of expression of it. Because by the time I feel like when I'm spitting it, that's a fun part. Because it's like people get to hear it. But for me, it's like behind the scenes, the writing is really what takes the most time and putting all of those thoughts together. And then also too, I wanted to, even though it's W-R-I-T-E-S, I like to do the play off of the Miranda rights, the law with that, the you have the right to remain silent. Cause I always say, uh, everybody's always gonna have a different perspective and opinion on music. And that's cool. Like, there's gonna be people that love the music, and there's gonna be people that don't like the music. But I'm all about respect. And I'm like, you can like the music or not like the music, but you will like respect the movement. No doubt. I'm gonna read something to you, uh, Miranda. I'm sure you're gonna recognize it immediately. Hip hop is a culture, and I respect the roots. If you are going to be a part of hip hop culture, you need to appreciate all the elements it has to offer. It is important for people to understand that hip hop is about peace, love, and unity versus the popular misconceptions of the genre. A message that is repeated by my brothers and sisters of the almighty universal Zulu nation, the roots of hip hop. Hey John, did you hear that, what I just said? How could I not? So, <laughs> how could I not? So Miranda, if you go back and listen, just pick any episode of TLP and you will find that we say variations of that exact thing every single episode yeah. so the fact that i you know i got that from your website obviously the fact that that's even there as part of your story i mean that's everything though that's the main thing is that hip-hop like and i think that's what is what's gotten lost is the fact that hip-hop is an actual culture mm -hmm. you know and so many times we talk about you know the rap part of it but we don't really talk about anything else when really 
all of the other elements is what actually makes hip hop so dope because it's not just MCs. No doubt. You know, right. it's like you can listen to hip, you can listen to hip hop, but if you're going out, you can't forget the DJ. The DJ starts the party, so then you have the dancers. You know, the music is what speaks, so then you get your graffiti artist, and then obviously knowledge, which is the main element. That's the one that always gets lost because right. that's really what it came from. Because hip hop formulated because it was supposed to be a voice for people in the struggle and people who needed an outlet. Without a doubt. So, so now you bring up this question. How did you get started in hip hop? I mean, was your family involved in it? I mean, because you seem to be, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but you seem to be a little young to have all that wisdom. <laughs> it's a lot of people say that. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, like my parents, like they are actually like huge hip hop heads. So whereas like most four year olds or five year olds are just listening to like whatever, my parents were like playing like Rockin' and Wu Tang, nice. and you know, nice. I just grew up, I just grew up in that kind of household. You know, I loved hip hop from when I was younger, just from listening to it. And then, like I said, I was into the writing. Like that, I started writing whenever I was in high school. And then, um, what happened was I ended up joining the Zulu Nation. I learned a lot from that because um, I really got to know the culture side of it. And that's why I say, like, it's really about being open to it because I myself, like, until you actually see it and see how much goes into it, the average listener, they're not going to get it. But my thing is, is, like, you have to take the time to actually really get to know, like, what you're representing. You can't expect people to know but you can expect people to take the time to learn. Ooh, that's a t-shirt. That's, that's, a, no, no, well, seriously. And, MW in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. We definitely give you your credit for that one. Miranda Wright, my goodness. I cannot believe that that just came off the top of your head like that. What do you have coming up? I mean, where do you see yourself going in hip hop? What do you have on the horizon as far as new projects? Well, I have a lot of new projects um, going on and that are in the works right now. As far as where I see myself in hip-hop, I mean, I see myself in a lot of different um, lanes of it. And obviously, what I would like to do is establish myself as an artist first and really get um, break the ground with that. But then in the future, too, also, I want to even step back and at some point be able to have other artists under me and just build a whole positive movement because I think it's needed, I think it's important. I'm also the first female MC to cross into the snowboarding market. So there's like a lot going on, but really, like I said, it's just gonna be this big crazy movement. But more importantly, I feel like it's needed. Like we need something positive. I got you. Can you, now you mentioned you do have some new projects coming up. Anything that you can talk about? I'm working with Herb Middleton right now, and what I can say is that he produced basically 90% of the new stuff that I'm going to be coming out with, but I still have to wait to make a couple of the announcements, but like I said, it's going to be really exciting, so I'm looking forward to releasing it. He's been around for a long time, but he's worked with Nas, Biggie, Mary J. Blige, um, Usher, Will Smith. I think he did some work with 
Bobby Brown. He's been around for a while. He's done a lot of amazing work. So it's pretty cool nice. to be working with him because he has a, he really is about the music. And um, it's cool when you get to meet people like that, especially in the industry, because a lot of times it's not about the music first. So I really appreciate vibing with him and working with him because he believes in the music. So Cool, cool. Scott? I mean, I mentioned your website before when I quoted uh, one of the paragraphs from your story, but and that's msrights.com, y'all. Definitely check her out. She's dope, completely dope. How could your fans, how could our listeners reach you on social media? Do you have any, uh, any special instructions for them to do that? Yeah, so um, my fan page is LPD Entertainment. Also, I have a Miranda Rights page. Twitter is at Miranda Rights MC. And like I said, that's W-R-I-T-E-S. Instagram, Miranda underscore rights. If you don't mind social media, I always keep everybody updated with my shows and video releases and all of that good stuff. So make sure you follow me on there and you'll find everything. Definitely. So now I got to ask that question. I got to ask that question. You ready for that question? (laughs) We're going to uh, podcast listeners. You know, we have to do it. We have to put her on the spot. We have to listen to that authenticity. We have to hear it fresh, unrehearsed. So, Miranda, would you bless us with some bars? Absolutely. Not a day goes by. I don't make at least one move. Not a day. Yo. Miranda writes. I got the mic lit like there isn't much of this Truth is man, I do it for the people Goons persecute the truth like it be illegal Knocking down doors like y'all owe me some Matter of fact you do, hello here I come First order is to listen, next order is respect Just getting started, that's a manifest Preaching to your mind, you think I'd be a minister Time for reconstruction, knocking down perimeters Take it for a ride, you can be my passenger Journey through the rhythm, breathing every caliber Thoughts to make a mark Warning you now, start taking notes, but you know it's in hell. Salute to the kings, peace to the queens. I'm a range of rights and knowledge is supreme. Knowledge is supreme. I'm a range of rights and knowledge is supreme. Cream. myself changing the world because my thought patterns are so opposite of what's the norm. So I would have to change the world or I have to be changed by the world. The prodigal son has returned. I'm alive. The ghost is walking around. In today's music news, the ever-controversial Tupac Shakur has just released another album under the alias Machiavelli. Music insiders are running wild trying to rearrange other artists' street dates in fear of a wipeout in retail inner chart movement. Although no one knows the exact cause of the new album, resources tell me a number of less fortunate rappers have joined together in conspiracy to assassinate the character of not only Mr. Shakur, but of Death Row Records as well. Nas, the alleged ringleader of the furious at Tupac's, excuse me, Machiavelli's verbal assault on Mob Sleep, Notorious P.I.G., and several other New York rappers. Jay-Z, from Hawaiian Sophie fame, Big Little Whatever, 
and several other corny sounding motherfuckers are understandably shaken up by this release. The question everybody wants to know is, why'd they get this nigga started? Tupac, rather Machiavelli, was not available for comment, but released this statement. It's not about East or West. It's about niggas and bitches, power and money, riders and punks. Which side are you on? discussing Tupac. I mean, we kind of hit on him, you know, in, in various segments of the show, but this is the chance that we got to, to spend, you know, an hour and a half, two hours really getting it in and, and giving our listeners right. what, what they've been asking for. You know what I mean? And I, right, honestly, right. like I said in the intro, man, I mean, you know, if, if, if Tupac was anything, he was very prolific. You know what I mean? He was re- he he just released tracks like 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 water. You know what I mean? They just came out of everywhere. Man, relentless. Yeah, he was relentless. With yeah, it. he was, man. And it's like, we chose this album, Machiavelli, because it was a collection of, of what we thought was his, his best work. You know what I mean? And here we go right up front. Track number one, Bomb First. He set the tone right in the intro. It was Fast and Furious. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, he served notice. Yeah. You know, we, we used to use a term in the Marine Corps uh, called fire superiority. And that means putting a lot of rounds downrange to overwhelm the enemy. So if they can't pick their heads up to shoot, then they can't shoot back. And let me tell you, this intro, this was a lot of rounds downrange. He went at everybody on the East Coast. And because Jay-Z was new on the scene, he threw a shot at Jay-Z that I was even like, whoa. Because <laughs> he hit him straight off Jay-Z from 
Hawaii Sophie fame, big little whatever. Yeah. He killed him. He yeah. killed he killed Jay with that because Jay was new and he was kind of, you know, in his own lane, like Jay has always has been, you know what I mean? He's always but because he was from the East Coast, he looped him right in with everybody else. Mob Deep, everybody. You know what I always thought interesting about this, Scott? Even though he mentions Nas in this, but he doesn't take a shot at Nas. Only thing he said about Nas was, you know, as well as Nas. That's it. And he called him the leader, but I'm glad you brought that right. up because I, I have my own theory, and I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct about this. Tupac respected Nas. He didn't give him a fucked up name. You know, he called Mob Sleep, Notorious P.I.G., you know, right. big, you know, all that. You know, and he brought up, you know, Jay-Z's Hawaiian Sophie bullshit. But I think, I think, I think, you know, saying Tupac respected Nas, even though he was incredibly pissed off in this press release and you could hear it. Another thing you, you actually mentioned that, that, was, that was rather curious was the whole everybody on the East Coast. Right. But, right. If, but if you listen to Tupac's response on the press release, he said it's not about East or West. What's it about? It's about niggas and bitches, power and money, riders and punks. Right. Which side right. are you on? So it's not even the East Coast, West Coast thing. He tells you straight up, it's not even about the East Coast, West Coast. It's about people that he respects versus the people that he doesn't respect. It's just that simple. I think this was about the time, like I said in the intro, that Pac started to get into his grown man. He started to understand the world a little bit better, and his vision started changing. Yeah, I mean, I think so, man, but... um. Speaking for myself personally, I've never shied away from saying that Tupac was not a lyricist. I mean, let's just, let's just call it what it is. He had charisma. You know, he had incredible charisma. He was a rapper that talked about real-life situations and social situations. He also talked about a lot of bullshit, too. I mean, just saying it what it is, keeping it real. But if you look at verse 1, he doesn't open up his verse as a rapper. He opens up his verse as a lyricist. He says, True. He said, allow me to introduce first... Machiavelli to Don, hysterical spiritual lyrics like the Holy Quran. That sounds like it comes from someone that knows some shit. You know what I'm saying, John? No doubt. I, I mean, no that, doubt. That's, no not, doubt. that's not something a rapper says. Rappers don't talk like that. The next part of the verse that really caught my ear, let me introduce the topic, then we drop it. Expose snakes because they breed freely. See me ride. Located worldwide like the art of graffiti. Then he goes on to say, I think I'm tougher than Nitty. My attitude is shitty, colder than a dope fiend's titty. Can we stop right there? Can yeah. we spend a little time yeah. in what you just went over? So, so first of all, you know, let's, let's back up a couple lines. And he said, expose snakes because they breed freely. Not only is he talking about the biological breeding capabilities of actual snakes out in the wild, he's using that, of course, as a metaphor to describe shady motherfuckers in the industry or people out there in the street, and he's trying to expose them for what they are. Located worldwide, like the art of graffiti, bro, this dude understands the elements of hip-hop. You know, let's go on to the next line where he said, colder than a dope fiend's titty. Bro, if you don't understand that life, if you're not about them streets, then you don't know what the fuck he just said. A cool. dope fiend is not nursing a child. A dope fiend's body is ravaged. It is completely and totally dedicated and a slave to drugs. And I think the visual on that and, and, and the power behind the line like that. But you got to back it up one step, though. I think I'm tougher than Nitty. Now, who's Nitty? Who is he referring to? Frank Nitty. He's referring to Frank. He's referring to Frank Nitty. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Frank Nitty was the one who's supposed to succeed Al Capone. My attitude is straight shitty. He didn't say straight. Excuse me. My attitude is shitty. Colder than a dope fiend's titty. He just hits you with three entendres 
to explain to you where his perspective is being drawn from. His perspective is being drawn from that gangster lifestyle. His perspective is being drawn from having a rough upbringing. And that rough upbringing is a direct reflection of the fact that his mother was a dope fiend. So what he's saying there is that he couldn't even go to his mom to get the type of love and attention and adoration that he really needed at the time that he was coming up and was inspired, you know, to put that thought down on paper. When you're listening to hip hop, and I say this over and over again, you got to get past the surface because it's deeper. It's culture. The real artists that are out there who are able to bring their life to the paper, they're tormented souls. They should be a statistic. You know what I'm saying? That's where this artist is coming from. Now read that again. I think I'm tougher than Nitty because I survived all that shit that I done went through. But because I survived all that shit I went through, my attitude is shitty. And part of the reason my attitude is shitty because I didn't get that love and attention and that nourishment from my mother that I needed because she was that dope fiend, colder than a dope fiend's titty. Go down towards the middle of the verse where he says, my whole team trained to explode, ride or die. Murder motherfuckers lyrically, and I'm not going to cry. Me, a born leader, never lead a block without my heater. He's talking about killing people, but not in the physical sense. You know, he's using kind of the same... The same metaphor that, that, you know, Jay-Z and Nas do where they're talking about, you know, we're killers, but not in the physical sense. We, we'll, we'll kill you on the mic. We'll kill you lyrically. And then he's talking about, I'm a born leader. I never leave the block without my heater. So in that sense, you know, I got to think he's not talking about the pistol. I think he's talking about his knowledge. I think he's talking about his skill as an MC. Uh, yes and no. He's talking about himself, but he's also talking. Don't forget who he's riding with at this time. He's with sugar them guys, man. You know what I mean? And I ain't, ain't going to sit on this podcast and besmirch anybody. But, I mean, you know, everybody can read, and YouTube is free. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can figure out what that situation was like over there based upon the people who were, who were in that situation and left, you know, namely Snoop, namely Dre, you know what I mean? And, you know, a few other cats who were familiar with how things were handled at Death Row Records. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can ask Vanilla Ice about some of the uh, negotiation tactics. <laughs> and uh, you, sh you, you can also ask him how, uh, how, it, how it out of you is <laughs> from uh, how many stories up? How many stories was that, Scott? To me, I think he's talking about his crew because right now he's in that, you know, he's in that life or death mentality for him. He's been to jail twice, been shot up, you know what I mean? To his accord, everybody's coming after him. You gotta figure this young man, man, you gotta figure what's going on inside of his mind at this time. Thug running through my veins so I'm strong. Thug like, against all odds, I'm making it. Say what you want about Tupac, man. He, he said things the way that they were. His name rang bells, and he called out a lot of names on this record right here, man. Shots fired. You know, he was letting everybody know, I'm coming. I don't care who's in the way. All by himself, he stood in the middle of the ring and said, you can put your best team together on the other side, and it could be a tag team battle royale, and all I got is myself lyrically, and I'm standing right here in the center of the ring, and I'll take you all on. Illuminati, all through your body. The blow's like a 12-game shot at and God said he should send his one begotten son to lead the wild into the ways of the man. Follow me. Keep my feet. 
my flesh, come with me. Hail Mary, run quick, see what do we have here now? Killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting pussy. Picture paragraphs unloaded, wise words being quoted. Beat the weakness in the rap game and sold it. Bow down, pray to God, hoping that he's listening. See a niggas coming for me. My diamonds when they glistening. Now pay attention, best man, please, father. I'm a ghost. Go to the fields. Hail Mary, catch me. If I go, let's go deep inside the solitary mind of a madman. Screams in the dark, evil lurks, enemies. See me flee. Activate my hate, let it break till the flame. Set trip, empty out my clip, never stop to aim. Some say the game is all corrupted, fucked in this shit. Stuck, niggas is lucky if we bust out this shit. And plus, mama told me never stop until I bust a nut. Fuck the world and they can't adjust. It's just a swell hell, man. Alright, John, here we go, man. Next track, Hail Mary. Now, I think this song right here is this is Tupac's best song, and I stand behind that firmly. It is one of his most lyrical. You know, even though I'm not a huge fan of the Outlaws, they almost held them back a little bit, but they were all right on this song. But you got to start, you got to start with Tupac's verse on this. And this is one of the, the best that he's ever had, man. I ain't a killer, but don't push me. Revenge is like the sweetest joy next to getting pussy. Picture paragraphs unloaded. Wise words being quoted. Peep the weakness in the rap game and sold it. Bow down, pray to God, hoping that he's listening. Seeing niggas coming for me through my diamonds when they glisten. Bro, that's lyrical, man. <laughs> well, I mean, here's what I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I was not, did I appreciate Tupac? Yes, I did. But was I one of those cats who was like wearing Tupac t-shirts? Nah. Mm -hmm. But do I think he's in the top 10? No. So with that being said, you know, I think this is his best work. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's his best work because of the time that he had to spend upon himself reflecting and learning and growing. Now, if Tupac would have started with something like a Machiavelli, one of the reasons I like this so much is because he was real introspective about himself as well as the situation around him. You understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he saw it all for what it really was. He saw it for the rawness that it was. And when I and when I look and listen to this Hail Mary track, man, he's telling you, I ain't a killer, don't, but don't push me. Look, yo, stay out of my way. You know what I mean? You ain't got to break that down, but so far. But I want to get into the second part of verse one. Now pay attention. Bless me, please, Father. I'm a ghost in these killing fields. What does he mean by that, Scott? Come on now. Let me answer. Let me try to answer that question by asking you another one. Who is the song for? His muse, in my opinion, on this song right here is society. Yeah, right. I, I definitely right. think so right. as well. I mean, like you go up top where he says, peep the weakness in the rap game and sold it. Hip hop at the time, you know, isn't what he felt it should be. And he's and he's the key. He's the answer to that issue. You know, I'm going to be the one that's going to carry. I'm going to put the rap game on my shoulders and carry it to where I think it should be. Bow down, pray to God, hope that he's listening, hoping that he's listening. I mean, Tupac was never shy about telling you about his spirituality. You know what I mean? So he's conflicted. He sounds like a conflicted individual. On one side, he's talking about them streets. And on the next side, he's talking about his love for God. You know, the verses you just said, now pay attention. Colin, I'm a ghost in these killing fields. Hail Mary, catch me. If I go, let's go deep inside the solitary mind of a madman. Screams in the dark, 
evil lurks. Enemies see me flee, activate my hate. Let it break to the flame, set trip, empty out my clip, never stop to aim. He's saying, I'm coming, I don't care who I, I'm spraying everybody because I'm going crazy inside my head. You got to realize right now, two times in jail, shot five times, said he didn't rape the girl. He's feeling like the walls are closing in on him. And now in order to even do what he's truly wanted to do, which is just make music, he had to sign up with a den of thieves. Yeah. Now he's a madman. Yeah. He's talking about, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ghost. I'm a variation of my former self. My back's against the wall, yo. This is, this is my last stop. I think that's why so many people, you know, put that whole eerie thing on Tupac about how Machiavelli so foretold his death. I think he was speaking metaphorically about how he was dying inside because of all the choices that he had to make and where his life was at that time, you know, and who was Machiavelli? Check him out. You know what I mean? He was a political scholar. He was a playwright. He was a socially conscious individual that was also creative. So he was left and right-brained. But with that being said though, I mean, so as you step, as you continue to step through these lyrics and you look at it from that perspective, now you can see more of what he was talking about versus it being, oh, he knew he was gonna die. Nah, he's talking about the life that he was living and the choices that he was making that had him so cornered and feeling like he was about to die. Absolutely, man, and Tupac has such a way Let's go deep inside the solitary mind of a madman. I mean, that puts you into a place. It's not a happy song, you know what I mean? Not no doubt, all. man. Not at all. So if you ever wanted to see, get, a, get an idea for Tupac's mind frame, this, this right here is a song that you go to for that, man. Especially at this point in his life. Because he's talking about set trip, empty out my clip, mm -hmm. never stop to aim. So that just means I'm mashing on everyone. Activate my hate. You know what I mean? I'm getting set up. Who can I trust? Who out here can I really look in their eyes and I see that trust look coming back from them? This dude is feeling isolated and alone. The significance of the Hail Mary hook. When listening to the song and I hear that, I think off top, conflicted. He's begging, he's pleading. I think he's looking for an answer, you know, to the issues of his, of his life. You know what I mean? And he's begging, Hail Mary, run quick, see, what do we have here now? Do you want to ride or die? I think he's, he's looking for answers, man. You know, he's looking to his faith, he's looking to his, to his religion, to his spiritual self for answers. And who do you run for when times, who do you run to, and who do you ask for help from when times get bad? The Hail Mary part of it, to me, brought about the, like you said, that he was on his knees begging for direction because he's lost. He's saying that he's by himself, the solitary, you know, look inside the mind of this, you know, madman. And when you're by yourself, you feel desperate. You know, if you realize since he pretty much recently released from uh, prison when he's making this, this dude's mind is just exploding on the pad right now. Yeah, never realize the precious time that bitch niggas is wasting. I mean, that's all you're doing in, in prison is wasting time institutionalized I, I live my life a product made to crumble but i'm too hard to smile we're too crazy to be humble we balling but then he changes gears man catch me father please because i'm falling in the liquor store that's that confliction again man well you know that's I mean? that duality that exists in, yeah. in all of us it's kind of like he's playing chess by himself right 
please save me, but I'm here. You know, I can't help it. This is the path I've chosen. Pastor Hennessy, I hear you calling, though. Can I get some more? Hell till I reach hell. I ain't scared. Mama checking in my bedroom. I ain't there. Nah, I'm out there in them streets, man. I know I'm not supposed to be out I, there. I got a head with no screws in it. Back to that madman. What can I do? Right. That's how Come I'm on. built. This is how I'm made. Right. One this life. Is how it's yeah, one life to live, but I got nothing to lose. Just me and you on a one-way trip to prison. Selling drugs. We all wrapped up in this living life as thugs. To my homeboys and Clinton Max doing their bid. Raise hell to this real shit and feel this. When they turn out the lights, I'll be there in the dark. Thugging eternal through my heart. Now hell Mary, nigga. Bro, I love that last part so much, man. When they turn out the lights, I'll be there in the dark. I feel your pain. You're not alone in your situation when you're up there in Clinton Max and they turn off the lights. Because guess what? I was just there with you and now I'm out here. So you can live vicariously through me. It's unfortunate that it took such a drastic turn of events in this young man's life for us to get this piece of art out of him. Father, help us all. Since you supplied your phone number, I can't help but call. Time for action, conversating. We relax and kicking back. Got you curious for love, passion. Now picture that. Tongue kissing, hand full of hair. Look in my eyes. Time to make the bed rock. Baby, look how it rise. Me and you moving in the new. Do it in the living room. Sweating up the sheets. It's the thug in me. I mean, no disrespect. And when I tongue kiss your neck, I go a long way to get you wet. What you expect? Late night, hit the highway. Drop the top. I pull over, getting busy in the parking lot. I'm just be blunt. I'm just be honest with you. This was my cut back in the day. <laughs> right? This, right? This was my shit right here. But um, but all, the only reason why is because of the video. You know what I mean? And, you know, Pac's bravado. You know, Pac's, you know, the way he was throwing it down, talking about the, the females. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And, and what yeah. he was going to do. But here I am, a grown-ass man, thinking back on the song and looking at it now. The song was had schizophrenia. On one end of the spectrum, on one end of the song, he's talking about doing that thing, you know, tongue kissing, handful of hair, look at my eyes, time to make the bit rock, baby, look how yeah, it yeah. rise. And then he throws it to Danny Boy, he throws it to JoJo and KC, but the first verse was about getting busy, and then the second verse, bro, he, he goes in. He goes completely in. Cali love to my two thugs, picture me now, still down for that death row sound. Searching for paydays, no longer Dre Day, I rip the dirt check. Blown and forgotten, rotten for plot and child's play. Check your sexuality as fruity as this Alize. Bro, he was getting he was he was getting busy in the first verse. Third verse, he's going after motherfuckers, man. But isn't that just Pac though? That's what I, I mean, let's just, yeah, let's just be honest. I mean, isn't isn't that how he gets down? Because, you know, it's kinda like it's kinda like that person, you know, when they're out drinking, drinks drinks one through three are okay. <laughs> but as soon as they get to drink three and a half, right. it's a problem because he's pissed off, man. Pac's hurt. And he's hurt at a lot of people and he's taking out his frustrations on everyone. I got you. Because this is probably after half a bottle of Hennessy. <laughs> you know how it gets down in the studio. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? So, especially with all these cats up in there. Right. I mean, you got Casey, you got JoJo, you got Aaron Hall, you ain't got nothing but a party, yo. Pac's still partying from being in jail. You know, from the time that he came home all the way until the time he died, he was partying. 
He was somewhere doing something, drinking something, smoking something. He was doing something, man. Dude got it in. So you figure this recording session was the exact same way. You feel me? Oh, for sure. And what's interesting to me was the production. On this one, man, you know I had to talk about this, man. So the production had, it borrowed heavily from No Diggity. No doubt. Borrowed heavily from that, man. Right. Pun intended. Yeah, yeah, pun intended, right? So he went after Dre, big time. Big time on this one, man. And he was just, he was just, you know, no holes barred, Tupac, I'm coming after everybody. I almost wonder, I wonder if he knew that this was going to be his last album because, you know, thinking about the subject matter, thinking about how hard he changed gears and how hard and fast he went after people. I mean, what you think, man? I mean, you think that was just... You know, status quo with regard to Tupac, or do you think that he kind of knew that he had to get this done quick? You know what I'm saying? Before something went down with that bro. Well, I think the last part of your statement is probably more so where I come down, mm-hmm. because because if you look at Machiavelli in its entirety, you can see his 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 future views, and you can also see him putting to bed that old man. Because because he's so much more mature, you know what I mean? Quick to jump ship, punk trick, what a dumb move, cross death row, now who you going to run to? Like you said, he's putting Dre to bed, and he's frustrated, man. You figure when Pac went away, man, he was the king. These cats were trying to be down with him. You follow what I'm saying? He, he, was, he was on the heels of a platinum album when he went to jail. I mean, his, his fame was meteoric. So now he's out of jail trying to recoup all that lost time. I don't necessarily think that he thought that this was going to be his last album, but I definitely believe that he had to put a lot in this album because he felt so confined and so pent up for such a long period of time while being in jail. Yeah, he just went, so, at, it. He just went at it. Yeah, every track, every this was track. right. Every, every track. And like you said, it started off, everything's cool and sexy, but then he, don't, for, don't think I forgot. To live in Don, L.A., California. What you say about Los Angeles? Still the only place for me that never rains in To live in Don, L.A., where every day we try to fatten our pockets. Us niggas hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing coming, see chasing Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces Shed tears as we bury niggas close to heart Or was a friend that was ghost in the dark Cold part about it, nigga got smoked by a fiend Trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream A hard lesson, court cases keep him guessing Plea bargain ain't the option now, so I'm stressing Cost me more to be free than a life in the pen Making money off of cuss words, writing again Learn how to think ahead, so I fight with my pen Late night, down sunset, like in the sea What's the worst they can do to a nigga Got me lost in hell to live and die in the lake On bills Man, for me, the reason why this is one of my favorites is just because it has such an introspective look, in my opinion. I mean, it has a lot of substance to it. That's one of the reasons why it's one of the best tracks for me, man. I mean, I like the way he opens it, man. To live and die in L.A., where every day we try to fatten our pockets. Us niggas hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury niggas close to our heart. Who was a friend is now a ghost in the dark. Love that part. Cold hearted about it. Nigga got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on him. Blind to a broken man's dream. He says so much. All right. He says so much through that, man. I mean, 
trying to floss on him, blind to a broken man's dream. Man, mm-hmm. he's talking about cats who are living in, the, you know, who are living that thug life, who are living that street life. Right. They don't understand that the dream that they're chasing to be the all-time Scarface, to be the biggest of the biggest, that's a broken man's dream. The game makes orphans out of us all. Mm-hmm. There isn't a positive outcome from that life. Yeah, I mean, I, I I took it a little bit deeper than that. I mean, he's talking about that fiend, that dude on the street, you know, hauling his luck, totally in the embraces of that heroin or that crack. You know, they still live and breathing people, even though they're shells of their previous and former selves, they still dream. You know, they still hurt, you know what I mean? And he's talking about, you know, trying to floss on these individuals that are completely broken. Bro, they'll lash out on you, man. You know, I remember as a kid seeing this, you know what I mean? Like making fun of these of these dope things, making fun of the other walking dead is what we used to call them. But them jokers would take flight on you, man. They would chase you down the damn block. That part of the first verse which you quoted is part of my issue with Tupac. You know, I'm not going to turn this into a Tupac bashing session. I'm just keeping real. You can see that Tupac is a poet. You can see it. And it's frustrating for me, man, because I love poetry. I love poetry. And like when I see Tupac write like this, the lyricist is in him. When you see him get very deep and introspective like this, it makes you wonder why can't he be like that all the time? I don't know if I asked that question the right way because, of course, the reason why he didn't grow is because he was killed. You know what I mean? And maybe that's what was going on. Maybe with this album, he was growing. I mean, only a poet, only, only a poet could write something like that, man. Shed tears as we bury niggas close to heart. Who was a friend is now a ghost in the dark. Bro, no, rappers don't write that shit, man. You know what I mean? Lyricists, MCs write right. shit like that. No doubt. And at the same time, bro, it's one of those situations where I honestly believe it's simply because the dude finally had an opportunity to sit down. Everybody, Everyone who goes to prison don't come out institutionalized. Some people really do use that opportunity to become more introspective and better themselves. And I think, and I think that's what Tupac did. Some people, because their life is so fast-paced, because their life is so out of control, when you put them in a controlled situation and they have an opportunity to slow down their brain, they see with more clarity. He was reading more. So he has become someone who is now a thinker versus just someone who was just a responder and an actor. Because that's who he was when he went in. That's how he got there. And at the same time, he was money motivated because he had that handwritten contract between him and Suge that he signed on September 16th, 1995, which only guaranteed him $3.5 million. That whole situation, I don't think, ever got worked out. And he was out on bail. Let's not forget. And he said it in this song, too. You know, the Tupac that we saw when he was released from prison, he wasn't a free man. Nope. Even though he was out in public, he was not a free man. He was out on nope. bail. And he was, and you know, he was released into the, the custody of death row records for all intents and purposes. And so if you go to the middle of the first verse, he said, court capes keep me guessing. Plea bargain ain't an option now, so I'm stressing. Cost me more to be a free man than a life in the pen. Making money off of cuss words, writing again. Learning how to think ahead so I fight with my pen. The same thing I just said. Yeah. I, I think it's the same thing I just said. That exactly. he, that he too, he's thinking ahead. He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm already looking for the BBD. You know, and for those who don't know what that BBD is, that's that bigger and better 
deal. He was looking so far past death row, it was ridiculous. He said, what's the worst they could do to a nigga? Got me lost in hell to live and die in L.A. on bail. My angels sing. There it is, man. This is the Tupac that I like. Now we start to see the man in him come out. I want to get right down to business with verse two and talk about the part that I like the best. And that's when he's talking about, you know what I mean? Full of drama, right, like a soap right. opera on the curb, watching the ghetto bird helicopters. I observe so many right. niggas getting three strikes tossed in jail. I swear the pen right across from hell. I can't cry now because it's on. I'm just a nigga on his own now, living life thug style. So I can't smile. There's a ton of regret oh, yeah. right there. He talks about prison. He talks about, you know, the, the oppression that the people right, in South right. Central L.A. deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know what I'm saying? Those ghetto no birds up there constantly watching them. Well, but he says that at the end of the verse, too. He says, because every nigga in L.A. got a little bit of thug in him. Mm -hmm. we, we might fight amongst each other, but I promise you this, we'll burn this bitch down, get us pissed. So he's mm -hmm. giving you that social commentary about the riots about how we can come together as a people under one common cause. Nah, you gotta think, man, when this, when this song was released, I mean, LA was still smoking. They went before years off of that. And then he starts giving out love to everybody. It wouldn't be LA without the Mexicans, black love, brown pride, and the sets again, because in the struggle is the unity. That's really what Tupac's strongest allure was, is the fact that he started talking about a little bit of unity, a little bit of come together. So I honestly believe, man, that if that cat would have been able to continue on that path, I honestly believe that we'd have been talking about Tupac, kind of like, you know, the great Charles Dickens novel, you know, A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times because we we're going to talk about him in two 180-degree different dynamics. Oh, I always yeah. think that he was going to start from that thug like he started from. And then he was going to show how that thug can mature into a real thinking adult male that can now make changes. God has a plan. And the Bible unfolds a wonderful plan to the message of prophecy. God sent Jesus into this world to be our Savior. And the Christ is returning someday soon to unfold the wonderful plan of eternity for my life and your life. my family tree consisted drug dealers thugs and killers struggling known to hustle screaming fuck they feelings i got advice from my father all he told me was this nigga get off your ass if you plan to be rich there's 10 rules to the game but i'll share with you too no niggas gonna hate you for whatever you do now rule one get your cash on mob that's money over bitches cause they breed envy now rule two is a hard one watch for phonies keep your enemies close nigga watch your homies it seemed a little unimportant when he told me i smile picture jewels being handed to an innocent child i never knew in my lifetime i lived by these rules initiated as an outlaw studying rules now papa ain't around so i gotta recall i'll come the grips with being written on my enemies walls promise if i have a seat i'm a god and right dear lord don't let me I got words for my comrades, listen and learn Ain't nothing free, give it back what you earn No doubt, getting high in the motherfucker Bless me, please, this thug life will be the death of me Come on, yeah, and I'm 
Now remember what my papa told me. Remember what my papa told me. This is gonna be something special. John, we got we have a guest with us this time. Why don't you go ahead and introduce her so that our listeners know who we're dealing with? Well, Scott, you know, uh, you know, I always like to try to shake things up a little bit. So today we have with us Miranda Wrights. What we're going to do, we're going to get to know Miranda by breaking down this track, Blasphemy. I'm trying to understand her perspective of hip hop. You know what I mean? Because I can Google where she's from. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm trying to understand that hip hop perspective that she's coming with. You feel me? Okay. Welcome to the show. You know, typically it's just been us, you know, but the fact that you're here, I mean, I'm very excited about it. So definitely welcome. I'm excited think... about it too. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. I think you picked the perfect track, though, to do that. You know, uh, I'm interested. Why did you choose this one? Um, I chose this track because, like, when you listen to it, there's just so much that he's saying. His lyrics can mean so many different things, and I like tracks that come down to perception. So I figured this would be a good one for us to speak about because I'm sure the way that we all interpret it is going to be different, and it'll be cool to see how everybody feels about it. Getting right into it, one of the things that I think kind of endears, you know, Tupac to us is his controversy. From a message standpoint, I don't think it gets better than Tupac. You know, he talks, he touches on things that aren't popular, you know, that aren't something that, you know, you're supposed to talk about. You know what I mean? I'm not, I wouldn't yeah, go so far as to call them taboo, but he tackles them and he gives you that energy that only he can. And on this one where, you know, he, he talking about, you know, something that goes against what we were taught from a religion standpoint. Right off top, you know, you hear a track called Blasphemy. It's, what is this? You know what I mean? What's it about? And you look at the album cover, this is something serious right here. And at the same time, man, when you, when you think about Pac and you think about his life, where he was when he made Machiavelli in this particular track. This is his best work of all, the Machiavelli CD. Agree 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when I listen to this particular track, Blasphemy, to me, it's speaking on a couple different tiers. Like Scott already said, we're going against the grain. Now, which grain is he speaking of? The inner city killings? You know what I mean? The black on black crime? You know what I mean? He's talking about the, you know, going against the grain of the true roots of him, of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about going against the grain in a lot of different areas. Yeah, he says, uh, my family tree consists of drug dealers, thugs, and killers. You know, I think we can all relate to that. You know, he's kind of telling you, he's setting, you know what I mean? He's setting the environment, he's setting the tone right there. He's letting you know his pedigree. Struggling, knowing to hustle, screaming, fuck their feelings. I got advice from my father. All he told me was this. Niggas, get off your ass if you plan to be rich. There's 10 rules to the game, but I'll only share with you two. Now, let me tell you why that resonates with me, John and Miranda writes, because we went over a lot of iconic classical hip-hop albums. If you really listen, right, if you really dig in to the lyrics, they give you instructions. And if you listen here, Tupac is doing the same thing. He's sharing with you the, the instructions that he got. Rule number one, Get your cash on, money over bitches. No niggas gonna hate you for what, you know for whatever you do, because they breed envy. Now, you know, excuse my language, I'm, I'm trying to keep it authentic. Now, rule two is a hard one. Watch out for the phonies. Keep your enemies close. Watch your homies. No Those are life lessons right there that he's giving you. I feel like that's why Tupac was so great because everything that he said, even in those lines right there, mm -hmm. those are all things that we can relate to. It doesn't matter who you are, but we all experience, even just starting from the beginning about just 
our families, like we all have those people in our family, you know what I'm saying? Or we have people that are doing different things when it comes to, um, coming into contact with people, we all have, we all experience being around the wrong people and taking the time to have to realize that. Absolutely. No doubt. And he goes on to say, you know, picture jewels being handed to an innocent child. I never knew in my lifetime that eventually I live by these rules. Initiated as an outlaw studying rules. But at the same time, his dad wasn't around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that's why he comes around at, at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And he says, now Papa ain't around, so I got to recall. Or come to grips with being written on my enemy's walls. To me, this Machiavelli is, is that piece of Pac that finally matured. Because he didn't have that male influence in his life. Mm-hmm. So even though his dad gave him these rules, he didn't know what to do with them. He didn't know how to apply them. He goes on to say, promise if I have a seed, I'm going to guide him right. Right, dear Lord, don't let me die tonight. You know, Tupac, you know, he had plans. He had things that he wanted to do. And he told you right there, I got words for my comrades. Listen and learn. Ain't nothing free. Get back what you earn, no doubt. I mean, there's always obviously a lot of, like, speculation when it comes to Tupac. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thing is, is that, like, whenever he said, like, this thud life um, will be the death of me, like, right. I feel like Tupac was very aware that he was beyond his time. And I still feel like because of music now, I think he's still beyond even this time. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to like for you to say about somebody else like, oh, well, he knew he was going to die, you know, Mm -hmm. because I don't really think anybody ever plans on that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But what I do think is that he was aware of like the life that he lived, the things that he went through. And I feel like in his career, he knew that he was doing something that was going to resonate and stay. So I look at it from a standpoint like, okay, well, because of who he was during that time period, it's almost like just with any great leader, you know, and this is just hip hop. But that's like saying like Malcolm X or, you know, Martin Luther King, like, they were aware with what they were doing with change. Right, right. And different things come with change. So my thing is, I feel like anytime you're a leader, like you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but when you have power, there's always a consequence for having that kind of like power. And I feel like Tupac, he did have a lot of power because even though it's hip-hop, and obviously the world is bigger, you know, than just hip-hop, but hip-hop is such a powerful genre that resonates. I feel like that's why he spent so much time saying what he had to say Mm -hmm. because he knew, I don't think he thought that he was maybe going to die, but I feel like he knew that it wasn't going to get to a point that he wasn't going to be able to say what he wanted to say. And and I guess the way I look at it is, and what you were saying, Miranda, I agree 150% with Mm -hmm. because as you're going through your life, and you know the life that you're leading. You know where it's taking you. And, you know, the wages of war is death. It's just that simple. But in my opinion, I think he knew his time was short. This thug life's going to kill me. Why explain the game? Niggas ain't listening. Stuck in positions as victims can't stand. They eat to stay the fuck out the kitchen. Half these busters switching, looking at me mean. Itching, giving suckers please face. Niggas snitching, world we now guns, 
dream at times, blotted by my passion and fury. Look at me laugh at my competition, flashing my jury. You stay silent if you niggas knew me. Truly effective, the shit you heard ain't do me justice. Got a death wish, bitch. Rubber face being traced by the infrared beam. It seems niggas ain't recognize my team. Ain't nobody holding you back. Explode the track to confetti. Unload it, cause niggas ain't ready. The life of an outlaw. was Tupac's collab with the Outlaws. Before we get into the track, the thing that was, you know, completely interesting to me was, you know, despite Tupac's beef with the East Coast and everything that the East Coast represented, the Outlaws were from Jersey, and they were all over this album. Music is universal, so it's not, and I hope that doesn't sound as corny as I think it just did. So with that being the case, they were just cats who were trying to get on, you know, and at the time, Death Row was trying to become this conglomerate of just artists. So, and at the same time, they were trying to recruit people out of, of course, Puffy's backyard. Right. You know, so why not go to New York? Right. And at the end of the day, just because I just want to be different. I just want to go against the grain. You know what I mean? So with that being the case, you know, and here are the outlaws and they don't care because everybody money spent. You figure they're looking at it from the perspective. We can be loyal to the East Coast and be broke, but we can go ride with Death Row and make some money and work with Tupac. I was always kind of confused about his association with the outlaws, though. I mean, it wasn't like they were good. Right, well, that's the other side of it. But that, but that is the validation to the point that Suge was just trying to grab anybody from New York to show that he can get, that he had East Coast love. You know, nobody, not even people in your hometown want to be down with you, Puff. You got the outlaws coming all the way out here to work with me because it just makes sense from a business perspective. I'm going to come and poach you just so I can show people that I'm the real deal because nobody in your hood want to fuck with you. Well, I mean, you know, getting to the track, I mean, Tupac wasn't schizophrenic at all on this one. He went to the streets in verse one and didn't let up until the end. You know, have these busters switching, looking at me mean, itching, giving suckers plenty space, have these bitch niggas snitching. Where are we now? Guns found daily. The feds surely hoped that they could finally nail me for selling dope. They backwards, make tracks burst whenever I rap. I mean, this song didn't have any substance at all. Not even a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm trying to gravitate and pick up something that we can dissect, but it's a street cut, man. It's trap music. You know, it's trap music before trap music. No, seriously, man. That's, I mean, because you're right. There isn't anything of substance throughout this entire, you know, cut right here. Other than the fact that, you know, somebody may get jumped into this track. <laughs> I'm going to ask the obvious question, right? So how could a poet, somebody as talented as Tupac, write a song like Hail Mary 
and then throw something like this onto onto an album that shares the same space as it. I think that stops him from getting that ultimate credit. You know he's an entertainer. You don't know Jay-Z as an entertainer. You know him as a drug dealer slash rapper. Mm -hmm. You don't know Biggie as an entertainer. You know him as a drug dealer slash rapper. Mm -hmm. You know Tupac as an entertainer. He was a dancer, yo. Bushwick Bill was a dancer. Nah, he's more than Bushwick, though. Come on, John. I, just, I understand that. But what I'm saying to you is he's an entertainer. He's fitting. He's, you know, he's the scientific definition of water. You know, he takes the shape of his container. Mm. So where is the entertainment piece right now? Mm. As he's kicking it with Shock G in them. Now, I like Digital Underground. Sex Packers is one of my favorite CDs from back in the day. But at the same time, I don't look at, you know, Digital Underground as some freaking thick posse that's going to, if I see him in an alley, I'm going to be worried. Tupac was with them. And he switched from being that entertainer to bringing that social message once he came out of prison that last time because he became mature. And I think this is just one of those entertaining cuts that he can put together. And because he's a poet, come on, man, Dr. Seuss can write a very complex poem and he can write a green eggs and ham, too. I take it for what it is and I break it down. Mm -hmm. On that level, you know, so when he starts with verse one, talk about why explain the game, niggas ain't listening, stuck in positions. If victims can't stand the heat, then they stay the fuck out the kitchen. So he's telling you right there, I can't tell you about what's going on because y'all don't want to listen anyway, because all y'all want to be is stuck in position. And when he says stuck in position, he means being those corner little drug dealers flipping those little dimes thinking you're going to rise up in the game. So on the, on the next line, when he's talking about victims, he ain't talking about law-abiding citizens, bro. He's talking, nah. about, he's talking about them niggas on the street. The game makes mm -hmm. orphans out of us all. That is, that is real. You can call me daddy. Uh, I'll be your daddy. That's right. Uh, just like daddy. Hey, yeah. For the ladies. <laughs> Come with me in a time of hope. I met her when she was young, a real daddy died when she was younger. Her mom's better do what she pleases, the same the one loved her. Her eyes shine and love, a diamond in the rough, the kind of truth of love. Not yet touched with so much potential. Youngster, let me guide your mental into a place where the sourness of pain you'll never taste. By God's grace, you was born with that face, nothing but pure beauty. So for an eternity, I feel it's my duty to be a soldier. Yeah, baby, got plans to mold you. And the coldest nights is when I hold you. Like I'm supposed to as we grow closer. I'll take your hand gladly. Anything you need, ask me. Spoil my baby girl just like that. Stress. Spending time with you, I feel blessed. When you gone, feel the pain so strong deep in my chest. When I got arrested, came so close to going to jail. Throwing blows. At the pole poles, breaking the nails Screaming loud, going all out Damn, I did You stay locked down at mom's house Watching the kids do the whole bit In the VI, I see you daily When my fake homies try to fuck you You run and tell me That's why I stay committed I thank God every time I hit it Hoping you'll forgive me For the times I bullshit it Me and you against the world We untouchable Screaming like you're dying Every time I'm fucking you You never had a father or a family But I'll be there No need to fear so much insanity And through the years I know you gave me your heart, plus
when I'm dirt broke and fucked up. You still love me. This is one of them, you know, sentimental pieces right here, man. I mean, Tupac loved the ladies, you know what I'm saying? I mean, his tracks, Brenda Got a Baby and things of that nature. And I think this kind of, you know, in his own special way, you know, Tupac kind of gave it to you like that. I mean, he's speaking to the lady in his life that might not have had that father figure, you know what I mean? So he, he, he recognized the struggle, and I think it was a personal song of his because he grew up without a father figure, so did his sister, you know what I mean? So he kind of understood that struggle, but... Here we are, and it's again with the outlaws, man. I'm John, I'm not hating. I'm really not hating, man. But it seemed like almost they were a distraction on this album rather than a, a valuable addition. I definitely feel you on that. I mean, I don't necessarily like this particular track, um, just simply because of the title of it, to each their own. But I've never been one of those cats that want a woman to call me daddy. Nah, nah. I, I, you know, I, I mean, so I, I see where from that perspective. From. Yeah, but from that perspective, it's kind of like with you, with life of an outlaw. You understand what I'm saying? From the very beginning, there's nothing about it that you could really get behind. That's that's me on this track. It's definitely not something that I'm checking for. And I do like his Tupac for the lady cuts. Like you said, Brenda got a baby, you know what I mean? I do like those cuts, you know, keep your head up. Right. I do like them. Uh-huh. Uh, this particular one here, nah. I never wanted to be anybody's dad except for my children. Yeah. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I never wanted a, a, a woman that I was dating to look at me like her father in any regard. I feel you. I don't think he was coming at it like that. I think he was coming at it like, you know, I'll be that strong one in your life because I know you didn't really have a man in your life. I'll be the man for you. He lets you into his thought process, like when all the shit that he was going through, like to alleviate the stress, spend the time with you, I feel blessed. When you're gone, I feel the pain so strong deep in my chest. When I got arrested, came so close to going to jail, throwing blows at the popos, breaking your nails. I mean, he's kind of giving you some insight as to, you know, how, how torn he was right. and, and how upset she was, his girl at the time, uh, you know, when he was going through his little trials and tribulations. You know what I mean? He's, he's talking about that I got girl you, that, was, that was down yeah. for him. So I, I like that when artists open up and let you in. You know, through the whole bid in the VI, I see it daily. While my fake homies try to fuck you, you run and tell me. That's why I stay committed. I thank God every time I hit it. Hoping you forgive me for all the times I bullshit. You see what I'm saying? Like he was vulnerable right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely see the vulnerability. I agree with you on that. You know, I'm not really going to get into anything the outlaws was talking about. I'm not. Again, I'm not hating. But this, but this episode is about Tupac. You know, I'm not going to really get into, you know, Idi Amin, <laughs> you know, Gaddafi and all them other niggas. Right. Man. But right, right. It, it is what it is. You know, I'm sure we'll get some flack for that. But you know, I'm just not going to do it. For me, you got to make a contribution. Yeah. I'm not going to just talk about you because you happen to be in the right crowd at the right time. The last thing I want to say about this track, John, though, is at the end, you never had a father or a family, but I'll be there. No need to fear so much insanity through the years. I know you gave me your heart. Plus, when I'm dirt broke and fucked up, you still love me. I mean, everybody wants that, right? Everybody wants to feel like no doubt. the woman or the man in your life is, is down for you and you only. Unconditionally. <clears throat> right, unconditionally. They don't really care about, you know, the things that you obtain through success or the lack thereof. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, like I said, I mean, Tupac being vulnerable. That's why I dug this record, man. Time goes by, puffing on lies, hoping that it gets me high. I got a nigga going crazy. I feel crazy. Tell him about it. 
but life goes on. Bumping my head against the wall, learning right from wrong. They say my ghetto instrumental, detrimental to kids, as if they can't see the misery in which they live. Blame me for the outcome, paying my records, checking. Don't have to bump this, but please respect it. I took a minus, and now the hard times are behind us. Turned into a plus, now they stuck living blinded. Hennessy got me feeling bad, time to stop drinking, rolling. And my drop top jack, what's that guy's thinking? Sitting in my car, watch the stars and smoke. I came a long way, but still I got so far to go. Dear mama, don't worry, I'ma watch for snakes. Tell Satch that I love her, but it's hard today. I got the letter that she sent me, and I cried for weeks. This what came out when I tried to speak. All I heard was time goes by, puffing on lie. Hoping that it gets me high. Got a nigga going crazy. I feel crazy. Running up the hill, looking for a better way. My brothers and sisters, it's time to fail. Cause even thug niggas pray. Open God, baby. I entered the game. Look how much I change. I'm no longer innocent. Casualties of fame. Made a lot of money, seen a lot of places. And I swear I seen a peaceful smile on my mama's face When I gave her the keys to her own house This your land, your only son that became a man Watching time fly, I love my people do or die But I wonder why, we scared to let each other fly June 1671, the day Mama pushed me out of womb, told me nigga get paid No one can understand me The black sheep, outcasted from my family Now packing heat, I run the streets A young runaway, live for the day this here, I fucks with this song right here, John. This is one of my favorite cuts on the album. No doubt, right here. no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, and I, I think you knew I was gonna say that, right? Um, <laughs> Tupac at his most vulnerable, right here, man. I think the best way to do it is to is to hit on Tupac's verse, man, and really dig into what he was really trying to say. Last year was a hard one, but life goes on, right? Right. Whole and in it. You know, I'm not going to talk about the obvious. I mean, it's well documented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tupac trials and tribulations, man. But he starts off with it, man. And well, because, you know, just mm -hmm. but if you can, if you can, mm -hmm. just just take five, ten seconds to just talk about as an artist yourself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? As someone who creates mm -hmm. to, and you know, from music or with music. Right. That inspiration and that muse is everything. Right. You need that. You live off right. that. That's your oxygen. Exactly. Last, right. Last year was a hard one, but life goes on. That's where this record was born from. The bullshit that he was going through. Hold my head against the wall, learning right from wrong. There's admission. Right. Like, listen, man, you know, I, I know I've been fucking up, but I'm learning. I'm moving forward, but I'm learning. It takes a man to tell you, listen, I was wrong. You know what I mean? I'm learning how to do things the right way, though. I'm learning how to separate the right from the wrong. And I think that's what hurts so much about Tupac being taken when he was a man because if you look at the essence of, of this album he was starting to depart from the nonsense of the bullshit he was starting to get it he was starting to to, to, right. to really come into his own man. and, and exactly. when you read through these lyrics on this particular track man you see that they say my ghetto instrumental detrimental to the kids as if they can't see the misery in which they live he's like yo don't blame me for this right you know what I mean I was born from that too you know what I mean? This is how I choose to exercise those demons. 
And don't try to tell me like you try to tell the most that I don't understand what exists outside my hood because I because I'm by coastal. So I do know what exists outside my hood. And it's more motherfucking hood. And then he continues. He continues. Blame me for the outcome. Ban my records. Check it. Don't have to bump this, but you got to respect it. You got to respect it. You got to respect it because you know why? You know what I'm saying is true. I took a minus and now the hard times are behind us. That's what I'm saying, man. He was growing, man. He recognized, you know, the bullshit in his life. And he's, look, the hard times are behind me. I'm trying to grow, right? Turned into a plus. Turned into a plus. Now they stuck with him blinded. Hennessy got me feeling bad. It's time to stop drinking. Rolling in my drop-top Jag. What? I wonder what the cops are thinking. You see Pac driving down, you know, Hollywood Boulevard in the drop-top Jag. You know them cops is like, man, fuck that nigga, man. Right. We're going to get him. Stress it. Yeah. Stress it. Yeah. Stress it. Yeah. They don't even understand that mm-hmm. the reason why he's riding down that road with that top down and the reason why he's doing 80 and the reason why he got that blood up in his face and the reason why he got that Alizé and Hennessy mixed up in his cup mm. is because he's stressing. You add on top of that, the cops be fucking with him or, 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 right. or anyone else that looks like him, that drives there a car like him. You know what I mean? You, you, add in, you add into the bullshit. You know what I mean? And, you know, when we respond the way we do, why is the community so shocked and surprised by it, man? You know right, what I right. mean? So, all right, so then he goes sitting in my car, watch the stars and smoke. Like you said, he's stressing, right? He, he's, he's going through it, and he's working it out. He's working out how he's going to, you know, make things happen, looking up at the stars and smoking like, damn, fuck. You know, look at, look at all this shit that I'm in. You know, how am I going to work this out? But I came a long way, but I still got so far to go. Bro, introspection. And again, I really believe that just like a character in a movie, this is Tupac's arc. I, I think it's more than that. I think this is Tupac. This is Tupac. T-U-P-A-C. Not two okay. P-A-C. This is Tupac Shakur talking to you right here. I got you. You know I what I mean? You. This isn't the character. Yeah. Uh-huh. This isn't the, right. that, that all that. This isn't the entertainer. No, no, no. This isn't the entertainer. Nah. This is not the dancer from nah. Digital Underground now. No. Nah. Got gotcha. you. No, nah, this is Tupac Shakur. This is the man. Right. Dear Mama, don't worry. I'm going to watch for the snakes, bro. I love me some Dear Mama. I love me some Dear Mama. That is some vulnerable shit right there, man. And the songs in which he spoke about his mom and the lessons and the, and the life that they had together, I think was Tupac at his best. You know what I mean? And he brought that in here, too. Tell set you that I love her. But it's hard today. He's talking about his sister right there. But it's hard today. I got the letter that she sent me, and I cried for weeks. This is what came out when I tried to speak. See what I'm saying? This is Tupac's record right here. This is not Tupac, man. This is not Tupacalypse. This is none of right. that. This is Tupac. And this is, this is the Tupac that I love, man. Not that my right. opinion means shit about shit. You know what I mean? But I'm speaking to you as, as a co-host of the show, as your boy. This is the Tupac that I love. Because that is hip-hop at its essence, which is education. And he even says in this track, I'm not so innocent no more. Tupac knew his situation. He knew the people that were around him, right? Dear mama, don't worry, I'm gonna watch for snakes. He knows that he's in the, he's in the lion's den. He, he knows that, you know, and he knows, and I'm sure that his mother was giving him warning and, and, and you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about that situation. I mean, his mom gave him plenty of life lessons growing up. So Tupac knew the deal. And I think that's, I think that's where that line is born from. Mm-hmm. You know, because he is so self-expressive, mm-hmm. now he's becoming more 
of a cerebral with his self-expression right. through his through his poetry and through his art form that he's releasing it for everybody to consume. So now it's becoming the perfect marriage, the perfect situation. I see Bloods and Crips running up the hill looking for a better way. So he's talking about how they're starting to come together. Remember before he talked about black and brown pride. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll burn this bitch down if they get us all pissed, right? Mm-hmm. So he's talking about that again, that come together. My brothers and sisters, it is time to bail. Because even thug niggas pray, hoping God hears me. I entered the game. Look how much I changed. I'm no longer innocent. Casualties of fame. Made a lot of money, seen a lot of places. And I swear I seen peaceful smiles on my mama's face. You know what I'm saying? So he's feeling that accomplishment a little bit. But at the same time, he's recognizing the fact that, man, that earlier cat... I was just messing around, (laughs) y'all. My bad. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just having fun. That was youthful exuberance. I'm no longer innocent. You know, that was just me being youthful, man. I understand that now. Hope God hear me. I entered the game. Look at how much I changed. You know how hard it is. Being a woman, a black woman at that. In this white man's world. Sometimes we overlook the fact that we be ride hard in our sits we don't be knowing the pain we be causing. It's white man's world. It's white man's world. I ain't saying I'm innocent at all this. I'm just saying it's white man's world. This song is For all those times that I mess up, but we mess up. Dear sister, got me twisted up in prison, I miss you. Crying, looking at my nieces and my nephew's picture. They say don't let this cool world get you. Kind of suspicious, swearing one day you might leave me for somebody that's richer. Twist the cap off the bottle, I take a sip and see tomorrow. Gotta make it if I have to beg a bottle. Beating love letters, late night, block down and quiet. Your brothers don't receive their mail, best believe we ride. Eating Jack Mac, staring at the walls of silence. This cage with it captured all my rage and violence. And it's time I learned a few lessons. Never fall for riches. Apologies to my true sisters. Far from bitches. Help me raise my black nation. Reparations are due. It's true. Caught up in this world, I took advantage of you. So tell the babies how I love them. Precious boys and girls. Born black in this white man's world. This right here is a Tupac that I love. The contributions that he makes to our culture. You know, the message that he brings. When he gets sentimental, when he gets emotional, that's when I really love Tupac, man. You know, all the other bullshit, I mean, you can keep that, man. You can keep that. But when he when he gives you that that dear mama, Tupac, the intellectual, the conscious version of Tupac, the one that wants to share with you, you know, his experiences, you know, the good and the bad, I think that's when we realize the gift that was, right. that was Tupac Shakur. No doubt. You know, so this song here, I mean, don't get it twisted. It's not about white versus black. I mean, he's talking to his sister on this track, man. He's apologizing to her, number one. He's apologizing to his nephews. But he's giving her his version of his reality, as he saw it, and trying to explain himself to her. You know, and trying to prepare her for the world without him. You know, because I think Tupac understood that his time was limited, whether it was going to be death, or whether it was right. going to be prison. He knew that he was on borrowed time. That's why I think a lot of his music take on a farewell context. But that's like, yeah, that. exactly. And I don't think it's because he thought he was going to die. I think it's because he didn't think he was going to be able to beat those court cases. 
And what did he say at the end of his other cut? You know what I mean? I'm just out on bail. Right. I just, despite all that, let's cast that to the side just for a second. I think when people talk about Tupac Shakur, I think if if people thought about him, you know, in retrospect, you know, the same way that we're talking about him with, with regard to songs like this, I think the endearment, I think the love, you know, that comes out of those conversations is more sincere. Too many discussions revolve around the street nigga that is Tupac than that sentimental intellectual poet that he truly was. Without a shadow of a doubt, I know exactly what you mean by that. Yes. Because when Tupac reached into his essence and understood who he was as a man, that's when we started to get more of the insightful Tupac. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that once he got more secure mm -hmm. in who he was as a man, mm -hmm. we were able to get more of that insightful Tupac right. because he went from doing what everyone else was doing to be accepted, hence the entertainment side of Tupac, mm -hmm. to going to, I don't care what you guys think of me, fuck the world, I'm doing it my way. And guess what? My way isn't that bad. I can, I can spit a message through this track, I don't have to talk about gang banging and niggas killing niggas. I can talk about us coming together. And not only will people buy that, but people will gravitate around that even more. And I think he preferred to talk about that vulnerable exactly. side. I think he preferred that. I think he was forced or maybe coerced. Because that's what was selling. Because that's where he was. He was right. at death row. Right. If you look at his interviews, and um, you know, we'll, we'll post some of those up on the page later, but of course. Listen to his interviews, man. Listen to the interview he did with Arsenio. Listen to the interviews that he did, man. He was a sentimental, intellectual cat, man. When I sense vulnerability, when I sense that an artist is trying to show you the inner workings of his or her mind, that's when the art starts to shine. So let's step through verse one. And if you, if you look at it from the surface, he's writing it from the perspective of prison, which probably is when he wrote it. Exactly. You know what I mean? So he said, dear sister, got me twisted up in prison. I miss you. Crying, looking at my nieces and my nephew's picture. They say, don't let this cruel world get you kind of suspicious. Swearing one day you might leave me for somebody that's richer. Twist the cap off the bottle. I take a sip and see tomorrow. Gotta make it if I have to beg or borrow. Reading love letters, late night, locked down and quiet. If brothers don't receive their mail, best believe we gonna riot. Eating Jack Mac, staring at the walls of silence. Inside this cage where they captured all my rage and violence. In time, I learned a few lessons, never fall for riches. Apologize to my true sisters far from bitches. Help me raise my black nation, reparations are due. It's true, caught up in this world, I took advantage of you. So tell the babies how I love them, precious boys and girls, born black in this white man's world. And then he gets into his hook. I mean, that's a deep verse right there, man. No doubt, man. I mean, he said so many things. Yeah. I like to just spend a moment on, you know, a couple of them. You know, help me rise my black, or help me raise my black nation, reparations are due. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know when, you know, African-Americans talk about reparations. It's not something that is just made up as if the United States of America has never paid reparations. Right. The United States of America have paid reparations, I mean, in the tunes of billions upon billions of dollars. They pay reparations to the, you know, the victims of the Jewish Holocaust. They paid reparations 
uh, to uh, Japanese Americans for the Japanese and you know uh, internment camps. They've paid reparations for every other, or excuse me, to every other uh, nationality or race that they have offended through violence and and or uh, other oppressive means, mm -hmm. except for African Americans. So when he says, help me raise my black nation, reparations are due. For me, he's talking, and that's that Louis Farrakhan coming out of him. That's that Black Panther coming out of him. You know, that's what his mom had taught him about. This isn't anything new mm -hmm. as far as the United States of America paying reparations. This is nothing new. And he says, you know, inside this cage where they captured all my rage and violence, I think right there he's more so speaking poetically because he can't release any music while he's in jail. Right. So it's not that he was this guy on the outside running down the street beating people up because that's not what he was doing. When I read this verse, man, I look at it from a much higher vantage point, man. He's just, he's just a dude. He's not, he's not Tupac the entertainer. He's not Tupac the famous personality. He is inmate. He's, he's opened. Yeah, he's inmate number, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, sitting in the cell, you know, right, thinking, right, right. thinking about his life, you know what I mean? Thinking about how he got to where he's sitting at, writing, probably crying. This verse here is full of regret. It's one of those things, what will you do to get there? And then once you get there and you realize there isn't all that sweet, you look back on all the things you did to get there, and there is relative, there is subjective, whatever, whatever there is to you, but if you're kicking down and beating down and denigrating others to get there. But now I'm here, I got, this is the this is the path I've chosen, or rather the path that shows me. I'm sure the podcast listeners know who said that. You get that retrospective view of what you just came through to get again there. Right. Now, was it worth it? So let's, let's, let's continue, and you see that he jumps right into this very sentimental refrain. Who knows what tomorrow brings in this world where everyone's blind and where to go, no matter how far I find, to let you know that you're not alone. Who's he talking to, man? I think he's talking to the collective of everybody as well as himself. He's asking a question. You know, who knows what tomorrow will bring? I'm not able to answer that question because everyone's blind. And I'm part of that everyone. So... This is really just an open-ended question to everybody, to anyone to answer. You're not alone in your pain and your strife. You know, I feel your pain. I can empathize. I can relate. And I bought the T-shirt because I lived it. You know what I mean? This isn't some theoretical perspective that I'm providing you here. This is an actual perspective. I did this. I lived this. Tell me why you changed to choose a new direction in the blink of an eye. My time away just made perfection. Did you think I'd die? I'm not going to cry. Why should I care? Like we holding on to lost love that's no longer there. Can you please help me? God bless me. Please keep my seeds healthy. Making all my enemies bleed while my G's wealthy. Hoping they bury me with ammunition, weed, and shells. Just in case they tripping in heaven. Ain't no G's in hell. Sister, I'm sorry for the pain that I caused your heart. I know I'll change if you help me, but don't fall apart. Rest in peace to Latasha, Little Yummy, and Kato. Too much for this cold world to take ended up being fatal. 
every woman in America, especially black, bear with me. Can't you see that we under attack? I never meant to cause drama to my sister and mama. Hope we make it to better times in this white man's world. This is the one that carried the torch for however short, this is the one that did it. This is the Tupac I love. Right here. I'm the bitch that's keeping it live and keeping it hot. When you punk ass niggas dump, nigga West Side, what? Bring it on. Look for me, lost in the whirlwind. 96 Bonnie and Clyde, me and my girlfriend. Doing 85 when we ride, dropping this water set. Born as a ghetto child, raised in this whirlwind. Come on, I'm childhood years, recalling tears, heart laced with venom. Smoking shirt, drinking malt liquor, father forgive him. Me and my girlfriend, busting, fell in love with the struggle. Hands on the steering wheel. Watch me bail out, bustle. Fuck them all, watch them fall screaming. Automatic gunfire, exercising all demons. My mafios on the side, my congregation high, ready to die. We bail out, they'll take the jail back. Niggas unite, our first date. Can't wait to see you naked. Touch you in every secret place. I can hardly wait to bust freely. Got you where high. You so happy to see me. Make the front page prime time live on TV. Nigga, my girlfriend. Maybe 45, but she still live. One shot. Me and my girlfriend. Now this right here, when I think about this song, I think about my man Tyrone. Tyrone Hines from Summit, New Jersey. This was his favorite song. And I remember at the time, like, you know, I was all over the place with my musical taste back then, man. I was a big tribe, big time tribe fan. Daylight, and all this and that. And I was like, why does he like this song so damn much? So one day I sat down and actually listened to it. Listen to the lyrics. And I thought at the time, bro, this is one of the most clever songs I think I had heard, man, because he wasn't talking about a girl. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm stating the obvious right now. We all know what the song's about. He was talking about a, a gun. He was talking about that steel. And I thought that was genius how he did that. You know what I mean? He, he, he talked about the gun with the same reverence, with the same lust that he would a female. Me and my girlfriend hustling, fell in love with the struggle. Hands on the steering wheel, blush while she bail out busting. Fuck them all, watch them all fall screaming, automatic gunfire exercising all demons. You know, she come in, you know, with the interlude. Run, nigga, run, I'm on your ass now, nigga. And then you hear her busting off in the background. I thought it was genius, man. Yeah, man, it's definitely a very, very clever track. You know what I mean? I didn't, you know, I did never really looked at it from the, uh, I liked it for its, how can I say, for its surface appeal. Okay. You know what I mean? Of looking at it as him and his girl. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the way I would like to think about it. Because after, everybody wants that one person who can just be, you know, 100% down for them. Right. I understand from the muse by which he wrote it. But at the same time, I've always looked at it like, okay, even though that's the case, I want to look at it from this perspective. Because I necessarily, now don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? A gun is a gun is a gun. I mean, it's just a weapon. I never wanted to use one to settle disputes. I got you. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And, sure. the way, and the way he's kicking it here, as the way a lot of hip-hop artists kick it is that that's the best way to settle a dispute. Right. Me, I grew up with that one and that two, and that's that left and that right. Mm. You know what I mean? If you can't square off in front of somebody and be a man with somebody, then you ain't really a man because anybody can pull a trigger. A kid can pull a trigger as we see what's going on with all this gun violence today. Mm. And I think because so many people glorify the gun 
as the way Tupac wrote this, as the way the muse of this comes about, I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have within the hip hop culture and moreover in our entire culture. I mean, we look at what happened in Sandy Hook, we look at what happened in so many different, we look at what happened, what happens daily in Chicago. I mean, they nicknamed Chicago Chirac. In verse two, I like the way he opens verse two with, I was too immature to understand your ways and experience back in the days. Caused so many arguments and strays. So what he's talking about is all his innocence. Now I realize how to treat you. The secret to keep you. Meaning, you know, somebody asked me if I have a gun, I want to hit him with the Fifth Amendment. I can't confirm nor deny <laughs> because, it, because it's none of your business. I trust you dearly. I shoot blind in time. I clock figures dropping niggas as we rise. We are soldiers in God's eyes. Now it's time for war. Never leave me, baby. And paranoid. Sleeping with you. Loaded by my bedside. Crazy. Jealous when you hang with the fellas. I wait patiently alone. Anticipated for the moment you come home. Taking something as as deadly as a pistol. Expressing love and adoration for it. I mean, it's it's, it's obviously something that the, the you know that the youngest of our community don't need to hear. You know, no doubt, man. I mean, when you look at the end of verse one, you know what I mean. He said, "Our first date couldn't wait to see you naked, touch you in every secret place." He's talking about little stash spots outside the club or inside the club or wherever you may be. I could hardly wait to bust freely, meaning I'm just looking for any reason whatsoever to bust off and that's not the way to live the damage that is caused from the end of that barrel from the end of that weapon you know what i mean got you red hot you're so happy to see me mm -hmm. you know you talk about he's shooting it so many times that the barrel's turning red mm -hmm. but when you look at songs like this and when you look at how tupac died you look at the way the violent way that he was taken from here you know what i mean he was straight up killed man primarily through his words and not even so much by his action. Tupac is performing this song. This is this is the retrospective Tupac. This is the one that we've been talking about for the last couple of verses or the last couple cuts. I agree. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when I look at the lyrics, you know, so if I die, I do the same rate. Tonight we honor the dead, those who won't be back. Mm -hmm. So if I die, I do the same for me, shed no tears. An outlaw thug living in this game of years. Why worry? Hope to God. 
get me high when I'm buried, knowing deep inside only a few love me. Come rush me to the gates of heaven, let me picture for a while how I live for my days as a child. You know, he was so obsessed with his mortality, with his own mortality. He constantly talked about and envisioned how he was going to go, his death. I mean, not to repeat what you just said, man, but meet me at the cemetery dressed in black. Tonight we honor the dead, those who won't be back. So if I die, do the same for me. Shed no tears, an outlaw thug living in this game for years. Well, I mean, only somebody that knows that his time is temporary would say something like that, man. Or has he seen so much death around him, death has become a vivid memory because he's been surrounded by so much death. You gotta realize he just came out of, he just came out of prison. Right, but I think he just Talking had... to people that's doing life. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he's been reading the Bible. He's, he's you know, becoming more rare with, with Machiavelli. And at the same time, he is growing up. So as we mature, we start to face our own mortality. Yeah, that was, right. a, that was, constant, that was a constant theme of Machiavelli, of this album, Death in Prison. I mean, look at look at right. look at verse two, man. He said, "Yo, these felonies be like prophecies, begging me to stop, because these lawyers they getting money every time they knock us, snatching pockets lyrically, suckers flee when they notice." I switched my name to Machiavelli. Half the rap game ghost, exposed foes with my hocus pocus flows. They froze. Now suckers idolize my chosen blows. More money means litigating. More player hating. I got a cell at the pen for me waiting. Is this my fate? Bro, he's scared of going back to prison. He knows it's his fate. Come on. Now, you know let's I mean? have that conversation. Stop there for a second. Switched my name to Machiavelli. Yeah, had to. Why did he have to? Bro, Tupac, the, the, the number two PAC, was a wanted individual. He was on borrowed time. So let, me, let me change my name. Exactly. Let, me, let me create a new identity and start over fresh. Exactly. Start over new. Exactly. From an art, exactly. from an artist perspective, we sort of knew, and I'm not proud of Tupac, the entertainer anymore. This guy fucked up, so I think that's what this is. He's bearing his soul. He's apologizing. He is confessing his sins here. He's letting you in. He's giving you everything he's got. He's telling you the whole story, giving you all the information, and letting you judge for yourself. You know, let these words be the last to my unborn seeds. Hope to raise my young nation in this world of greed. Currency means nothing if you still ain't free. Money breeds jealousy. Take the game from me. Take it. I hope for better days. Trouble comes naturally. Running from authorities till they capture me. Fuck them. And my aim is to spread more smiles than tears. Utilize lessons learned from my childhood years. Maybe mama had it right. Rest your head. Straight conversations all night. Bless the dead. All the time I hoping my true motherfuckers know this be the realest shit I ever wrote. Up in the studio getting blow to the truest shit I ever spoke. 21 gun salute, dressed in fatigues, black jeans and boots. Disappeared in the crap, all you seen was truth. This little nigga named Nas think he live like me. Just talk about he left the hospital, took fire like me. You live in fantasies, nigga, I reject your deposit. We shook Drake on gas, now we out of the closet. Mom deep wonder why nigga blowed him out. 
Next time grown folks talking, nigga, close your mouth. Beat me. I take this war shit deeply. The scene too many real players fall to let these bitch niggas beat me. Puff. Let's be honest, you a punk or you would see me with gloves. Remember that shit you said to vibe about me being the thug? Then you can tell the people you roll with whatever you want. But you and I know what's going on. Payback. I knew you bitch niggas from way back. Witness me strapped with Max. Knew I wouldn't play that. All you old rappers trying to advance. It's all over now. Take it like a man. Niggas looking like Larry Holmes, flabby and sick. Trying to play a hate on my shit. You eat a fat dick. Let it be known as how you made me. Loving how I got you niggas crazy. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you on the last track. Which Tupac is this? Tupac Shakur or Tupac the Entertainer? Tupac Shakur. Ooh, I disagree. I disagree. Why do you say that? Well, <laughs> let's look at the lyrics. Okay. All right. He is simply, <laughs> he's going after everybody who he feels though has done him dirty. And he's telling them straight up in a very poetic way, I'm coming for your mouth. But I'm asking Dressing you. Fatigues, black jeans, and <laughs> all because the subject matter changes, it doesn't make him a different person. I got you. The depth of the lyrics still exists, even though he's talking about some grimy shit. Yeah, you could be angry. It, it, yeah. Right, right. And that's all he is. He's very angry right here. What exists inside of a person that typically has the level of duality that Tupac has within them, within that internal fight, they have a lot of love. Whatever they have on one side, they're going to have to a strong degree on another side. Sure. You know, it's like that bipolar, like you said, that schizophrenia behavior. So with that being said, this is just the other side of that. This is, this is the angry face. This is that two-face. So this is the angry face now. Right. There are two people inside of me. There's this one who loves everybody, because when you listen to people talk about Tupac, everyone talks about Tupac was just this great dude who had nothing but love for everyone. But then if you crossed him, he's spitting in your face. He's telling you, dressed in fatigues, black jeans and boots, disappeared in the crowd. All you seen was troops. This little nigga named Nas think he live like me. Talking about he left the hospital, took five like me. You live in a fantasy, nigga. I reject your deposit. This is a serious record right here. He told you straight up, this is the realest shit I ever wrote. He talked about very specific people. And he talked about some of those specific people twice <laughs> in the same song. One of them was Nas. He had big problems with Nas, man. He thought, big with Nas. Yeah, he thought Nas was a liar. He thought Nas was a biter. He thought Nas was a fabricator. He didn't think Nas was as street as he was. And he went on and told you why he thought that, you know, just to repeat what you said. He said, this little nigga named Nas thinks he's live like me. And then later on in the song, he said, hey, yo, Nas, your whole damn style is bitten. But he prefaced it with this, Lord, listen to me, God don't like ugly. It, right. It was written. So he repeated Nas's album type. You heard my melody, read about my life in the papers, <laughs> all my runnings with authorities, felonious capers. Now you want to live my life. So what's a hasa, Nas? Niggas that don't rhyme right. Yo, did he just call him a hasa? It's a pig who don't fly straight, right? It's a pig that don't fly straight. And where'd you get that from? Scarface, baby. Don't, don't, don't get me started, man. He, he went after my man. He went after Mob Deep. You know, he can have Puffy, but, um, but yeah, Tupac has some issues here, man, with some specific people. And he took this last song on this posthumous record, and he went, he went in. 
and it, that's that authentic piece, man. Yeah. And that's what I like about Tupac, man. That's what I like about real lyricists. And I keep saying it over and over and over again, that that authenticity piece, if you don't have that authenticity piece, it will show through. No doubt. Right. Against all odds. Up in the studio, getting blowed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So all he's doing is basically vibing in the studio right now. And he's just letting that whole inner man come out. Everything that's, this is just like a free flow of consciousness. Yeah. So if Twitter had 13,000 characters, and it was around when Tupac was around, you would get shit like this on a daily. The whole track, man, is just a, it's, it's, an on, it's a nonstop assault on the East Coast. I bring the real, be a legend, breathe it or dead. Since your period of incarceration at Clinton Correctional Facility, have you taken the time to reflect on your previous lifestyle or specifically your gangster thug image? <laughs> um, I don't see it as me having this gangster thug image. Um, thug life would be more uh, accurate, but it's not an image, it's just a way of life, it's a mentality. Yes, I have taken the time to reflect on it, um, in my reflection, I don't see it as being wrong. I just see it as being a stage that we all go through. I don't feel like what I did was so evil. I just feel like what the way I was living and my mentality was a part of my progression to be a man. Well, surviving several gunshot wounds is a wake-up call and a miracle in itself, no doubt. What were your thoughts as you lie in the hospital recuperating from the gunshots? They shot me, straight up. I just kept thinking, they really did shoot me. I really did believe at one point, up until I got shot, that no black person would ever shoot me. I was their representative. I believe that, um, you know, I, I didn't have to fear my own community. You know, I was like, um, I represent them. I'm their ambassador to the world. They would never harm me. They would never rob me. They would never do me wrong. But as proven by this false rape charge, as proven by this, the gunshots, as proven by a lot of the comments you read in the news and in the media, that's not true. You know, I'm just one man. So I just thought about how it would change, what would I do? How can I make them sorry that they ever did this to me? You know what I mean? How can I um, come back like 50 times stronger and better? How do you spend your time in prison? For the first eight months, I spent in solitude, 23 hours a day, locked down, reading, writing. I wrote a script called Live to Tell. Um, Which what's about? It's like a semi-autobiography, semi-autobiography on my life. Mm -hmm. Half me, half fiction. It's real good. It's my first attempt at really writing a screenplay. I used to always add things to like Poetic Justice. I wrote, I added my own words to Poetic Justice. I, I um, wrote whole scenes in Above the Rim. Mm -hmm. um, in Juice, I use a lot of my own words. This was the first time that I actually sat down and write a whole script with characters, real live, leading char breathing characters. And so Live to Tell, I did that. Worked out, do a little push-ups, calisthenics. Um, read, I read a lot of good books. I read a lot of Maya Angelou's books. The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, listen to music, you know, different types of music, calm my soul. Dion Farris, she really got me through a lot of this time. Mm -hmm. Prison kills your spirit. 
Straight up, it kills your spirit. There is no um, creativity. There is no, there's none of that. You know, I see a lot of it in other prisoners. Mm -hmm. They got artists in here. They got poets in here. You know, but as far as me, it just killed my spirit. I couldn't write. I only recently started writing. In terms of writing music and lyrics, I didn't have that. I couldn't do it. Now, I just, you know, finished a couple of tracks. Most of my music is like that. If you look back over past albums, I just try to speak about things that affect me and about things that affect our community. And I try to do it from a viewpoint of the watcher. Let's change the way we eat, 
Let's change the way we live and let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we gotta do to survive. And still I see no changes. Can a brother get a little peace? It's war on the streets and a war in the Middle East. Instead of war on poverty, they got a war on drugs so the police can bother me. And I ain't never did a crime, I ain't have to do. But now I'm back with the box, giving it back to you. Don't let them jack you up, back you up, crack you up, and pips back you up. You gotta learn to hold your own. They get jealous when they see you with your mobile phone. But tell the cops I can't touch this. I don't trust this when they try to rush, I bust this. That's the sound number two. You say it ain't cool. But it rains no fool And as long as I stay black I got a stage strap And I never get to lay back Cause I always got to worry about the payback Some fuck that I roughed up way back Coming back after all these Alright, listen up everybody I'd like to say thank you You know what I mean? This was a great episode Got an opportunity to hang out with Miranda Wright Want to send a shout out to her and her people You know, her, her entire team they stopped by, they showed us a lot of love. You know, I hope you guys enjoy the freestyle from Miranda. You know, I'm sure we're gonna try to get her back on. So salute to you guys. Also, um, wanna always, you know, I'm always talking about my family. Uh, wanna give some love to my little cuz. Her name is Maya Alexander. She's a producer on Harpo E Style and as well as TV One. Uh, do me a favor, cause she's always so busy. Uh, she does a show right now. She's a producer on a show that I think a lot of us have seen called uh, Unsung. So uh, I don't get a chance to catch up with her too much. So do me a favor and at Maya, M-Y-A, capital M-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R on Twitter and just say uh, hashtag John L, your cuz says hi from TLP, hashtag TLP. Uh, you know, we like to play little tricks on each other and uh, she'll get a kick out of that. So listen, much love to my family, much love to all the uh, podcasts. Uh, people on the uh, Facebook page. So stay tuned. And, uh, you know, I'm John L, three minus four. All right, John, I'm going to keep this short, man. What I want to do also is echo what you said about Miranda Wrights. I mean, big, big shout out, much respect, much love to Miranda Wrights and her team over there at LPD Entertainment for allowing her to uh, spend a little bit of time with us here on the show. She was a great addition. She had a lot of insight. She's ultra talented. Definitely looking forward to what she's bringing in the future as far as hip-hop and all that. And also coming back and, and, you know, doing spot duty here on the show. She's completely dope. And, um, you know, I look forward to that. Um, I also want to give a shout-out, you know, as always, to Hip Hop Golden Age. You know, those guys over there are, are definitely doing it, and they're doing it right. They're giving us all that great information. We share it as much as possible, the lists and the content that they come up with are essential reading for even the basic hip-hop fans. So go ahead, check them out, www.hiphopgoldenage.com, and, uh, you know, do the knowledge. But, uh, you know, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for listening in. As always, check us out on our Facebook page. Just search for The Light Podcast. Hit up our website, www.thelightpodcast.com. Check out those past episodes. And um, hit us up. We always respond, and we always show love. Peace. Got the police busting at me, but they can't do nothing to the G.
plus cars It's like it's a rap star It's nothing without God Was born rough and rugged Addressing the mass public My attitude was fuck it These motherfuckers love it To be a soldier Must maintain composure at ease Don't like what's complicated Only what you make it to be And my ambitions as a rider The catch it while she hot And horns go up inside her Then I spit some game in the ear Go to the telly ho You quit with money in the bins Cause bitch I'm barely broke I'm smoking bomb ass Since 